0: Stay standing for me. We're going to start with prayer, hey? Father, we come and we honour you and we honour your word. We thank you for the privilege of having a Bible, Lord, in many forms that we can access whenever we want it. We thank you for the words of life that we find in there. Lord, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to enlighten our eyes to understand what we read and hear. And Lord, I ask for your anointing today to be upon me to speak your word and upon the people to hear and receive and be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. Mm-hmm. Seated indeed. I think all the kids are already out there doing them, yes. So... <laughs> Alright, oops, I must have bumped something. There we go. Today I want to talk about spirit-led warfare, letting God guide you to victory. Now you know what? Stuff happens in our life that we just don't know how to fix. Things happen, sometimes things, relationships break down. I remember once I had someone who was quite upset with me, and I could not figure out how to get that relationship mended. It was completely beyond me. There's something about letting the Lord lead you, He will tell you what to do, and it's always exactly right, and it works. And I've also had the opposite, where I have decided I know exactly how to fix it. And it never works. (laughs) Well, not in my experience. Um, Some things I look back and I shudder. And I think, wow, why? Why did I give that a crack in my own strength? What a mess. I want to make this statement, we are the last day's generation. Now, the last day's generation has been given a special promise. It's a very interesting, powerful, amazing promise. And it's found in two places in the Bible. I'm going to read the account from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, and uh, we're going to go all the way through to 21. This is the Apostle Peter standing up before a huge crowd gathered at Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, um, or Feast of Weeks as it's known. And uh, the Holy Spirit had just been poured out. And in his speech, he is quoting from the prophet Joel. And he says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, That I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Now, here is the first promise to the last day's generation they would have the spirit of God poured out on them. Now, when you look into the Greek origins of that word pour out, it means to pour out. Deeply profound. But um, how do you pour out the Holy Spirit? I know how you can pour out a spirit from a bottle, right? But how do you pour out the Holy Spirit? That almost sounds like he's in a form that can fill every part. You know, if you put something solid in you know, like pebbles or sand or something like that in a bottle. It's full, but there's still room. But you put water in that bottle and it's full. The promise he gives this last day's generation is, I am going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh This is differentiating this time and this generation from any other generation in history because there has never been another generation that every person could qualify for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on them. You had to be of the Levitical priesthood or you had to be a king or a prophet to have the Holy Spirit poured upon you. But this generation... There's something different. For some reason, every single person has the potential to qualify, to be filled, absolutely absorbed, filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is this? Well, Peter goes on to explain it's because of Jesus. He has made a way for everyone to be made right with God. To be righteous. And because of this, we all have the ability, if we choose, to receive the Holy Spirit who is being poured out. You know when ground is really dry, you can pour water on it. Does it sink in? Usually it just runs off, doesn't it? Because it's too hardened. If we want to receive of the Holy Spirit who's being poured out, we need to have a soft heart to hear, not a hard, stubborn heart that wants to do everything our own way. The Holy Spirit is willing to come. Are we willing to receive? Now, listen, sons and daughters are the very next part of this prophecy, All right, Timmy, I need you to do me a favour. Can you run out and get all the kids up here for me? Tell them they're being recruited. (laughs) (laughs) And any kids at the back who want to join me (laughs) can. Come on. Come on, Come on. (laughs) They're all like, woo! Yeah, true. Chocolate. (laughs) Oh, look, they're coming. (laughs) Come on, kids, just for a few minutes. I just need you up the front. I won't embarrass you too much. (laughs) Come across. We're reading something really awesome straight out of the Bible. If you look up on the screen... There's some words up here that says sons and daughters. Now, any of you sons, excuse me, sir, may I interview you? Hey, are you someone's son? Yeah. Uh, What about you? Are you someone's daughter? Yes. Oh. Well, this is talking about you. God says your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That means you will hear the word of God and speak it. Do you know that God is wanting every single one of you to be a mouthpiece to your generation? He wants you to speak his word to the people around you, the people in your schools, the people that you see, that we don't see. I don't get to go to school and listen to the teacher anymore. No, I didn't read it. Um, All right. But You do. And you get to talk to people that we will never get to talk to. And God is giving you a promise today. He's saying you can prophesy. That means you can have the word of God in your mouth and bring it to those around you. Who would love to hear God speak to them? It's pretty amazing. When you hear God's voice, it fills you with courage and power. And you're like, well, I don't know much but the big boss said this, so I'm going with that, all right? So God says he's going to pour out his spirit on you. You're part of this, and I don't mind you going back, but I just wanted to steal you for a minute to let you know you have purpose. God wanted you born right now, and he's put you in the town you're in, in the school you're in, so that you can be a mouthpiece for him. Is that cool? I think that's cool. Every one of you is empowered by God. Well, thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Let's give the kids a hand. You can go back. That's super cool. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. I will never, ever, ever forget listening to children weeping and crying in intercession during the Brownsville-Pensacola revival. They had a massive big stage and underneath the stage was like change rooms and all that kind of stuff. It ended up being converted into a prayer chamber. And while the preaching was happening, people would be literally under the stage praying for the lost. And the majority of the people under there were children. And they took a microphone down there one day and they just began to go around the room. The kids didn't even realise there was anyone there. And as they're walking past, they're putting the microphone down and you can hear the wails and the cries of these children crying for the souls in the room above them. I'm telling you, no one is exempt in this last day's generation your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. This is what it looks like. God is beginning to speak, to reveal what's happening through visions and dreams. And he says, On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Well, again, until Jesus, women had no part in any kind of ministry. So he's saying there's a generation coming when it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, if you're a servant or a master, no matter what, I will pour out my spirit on you. And they shall prophesy. No longer is the word of God confined just to to the prophet or the priest, we have the holy word of God, the written word of God, and we can put it in our mouth, and we can proclaim it, and we can prophesy. We can look at situations, and we can speak the word of God. This is the word of the Lord to you. Wow. Okay. I'm getting myself excited. Okay. I, still the prophecy, this is the Lord. And again, I want you to notice as we read this, I will, I will, I will. We know this is a sure promise because God is promising it. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Do you know, just a few days ago, there's a big pool of water right near the Dead Sea in the area of Moab near Jordan, not far from Israel. That has just turned blood red. They don't know why. They can't explain it. But all around the world there are signs in the heavens and there are signs in the earth. Blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Do you know in this last week we've had two more enormous volcanoes erupt. All these things will happen before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass. I love those words. That is just like the best thing to say to Satan when he's given you grief. Well, it shall come to pass. Because God said it. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is our mandate. So good, um, what? This isn't working for some reason, Jeremy? Oh, yeah. So good, I'm repeating it. God is pouring out his Holy Spirit on all flesh that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There is an opposition, though, to the spreading of the good news. You ever notice that? Just when you're ready to share Jesus? Does it just go all peaches and cream? Look, some of us have been standing and believing for salvation for people for a long time. And many people are starting to feel battle-weary, heavy-laden. This was me uh, on Monday, last Monday. I was feeling very symptomatic, very sick, very run down, and very downhearted. And um, vexed is the word I like to use. Vexed with the wickedness and the deceit that I see around me. Does that ever bother anybody else? Yep. Ah, I mean, we don't even turn the news on in our home. But occasionally I will look at my ABC News app and just read headlines and that's enough to make me feel pretty miserable. And then you hear stories of people, humanity, treating each other in such inhumane ways that I literally say to God, I can't bear it. I can't bear it. Some stories are too horrible to even hear. The scripture tells us something, though. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, and he's talking about forgiving one another just before this, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, there should be some clues. Now, I have never seen a bomb in real life. But if I found something that had a countdown on it and was ticking, I'd have a pretty good idea what it was. (laughs) It'd probably be my alarm clock. (laughs) All right. I've never seen a grenade before. I feel like I would recognise one. But I can guarantee you... A trained soldier knows exactly what those weapons look like. They're not ignorant of their enemy's devices. They know. They know that pretty trail in the air is not a comet, that's a missile. They are recognizing. And the scripture tells us we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. That is a relief. That means even though we might get tricked at first and think it's an alarm clock when it's a bomb, something's going to wake us up, not the explosion, (laughs) all right? We are not ignorant. Look at verse 14, now thanks be to God who always leads us in defeat. Is that what it says? He always leads us in triumph in Christ. I like being on the winning team. I'm super competitive. And the poor kids say, "Mom, can't you let me win? Oh, no, you're big enough to fend for yourself. <laughs> but God always leads us in triumph. i got to get back onto it. All I'm thinking about is winning and beating him in air hockey. But most times you, you might occasionally beat me. But... Um, <laughs> Who always leads us in triumph and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. What a privilege. We have the privilege of diffusing his knowledge wherever we go. Ah, so good. All right, how am I doing for time? That clock's slow, but I'm going to work off that one. (laughs) Okay, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It's so important that we are filled with the Spirit. We are open. We are led by the Spirit. Because these are the sons and daughters of God in the earth. All right, I want to have a look at this. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. A final word. Paul's about as good as that as I am. (laughs) This is definitely not my final word today. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Wow. We don't need to be tricked. We don't need to be deceived. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against all evil spirits in the heavenly places. I want to deal today specifically with three evil spirits that I see we are facing at the moment, and there's many more, but these are three that keep coming to my attention, And we're not going to be ignorant of Satan's schemes. Here's the first one, the Jezebel spirit. That is a seducing spirit, tempting people away from God to pursue their own passions and desires. Jezebel was all about her kingdom come, her will be done. Complete opposite of God. I just saw an article that the United Nations Women's Group that have been commissioned to empower women across all the nations of the world, they want to remove the word woman and feminine from their documents so they don't offend a certain category of people. Not only does that not make any logical sense, But it's all about people pursuing their own lust. It is this spirit. It's an immoral spirit. We see her exposed in the book of Revelation, tempting people into all manner of sexual immorality, idolatry, putting things above God, and it's rooted in witchcraft and deceit. Do you know what some of the biggest growing things in schools at the moment? It's wicca. It's witchcraft. Why? Because this is the spirit that we are facing. And I think young people can see how broken our world is and they're looking for answers. So who in the Bible was brought in to deal with the Jezebel spirit? None other than... Elijah and also Elisha. Elijah has this moment on Mount Carmel where he, he was feeling like we often do, vexed with his generation. I'm sure he just felt like shaking sense into them. Why are you worshipping that silly idol when we have a God so big? Why are you getting caught up in all of these sinful pleasures when we have a God so holy? What are you doing? And this, this showdown comes on Mount Carmel where he says, right, prophets of Baal, show us how big your God is. He's got to come and consume the offering with fire. And though they tried all day to get their God to do this, There was no result. Elisha gets so many buckets of water brought, poured all over his altar that there was like a little moat around the bottom. It was saturated. He prays and fire literally comes from heaven and it consumes everything. The water, the sacrifice, even the altar. I mean, and people go, oh, wow, you are God. But they don't turn their hearts to him. Because I, I mean, I imagine Elijah after this moment would have went, finally, my generation are now going to follow the true and living God. Finally, finally, they're going to get it. But they didn't because Jezebel starts to speak up. And look what she says. Making sure got, oh, sorry, got that right. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, she's speaking of the, the uh, 400 prophets that he killed of Baal, by tomorrow about this time. And it tells us that Elijah took off. He had had enough. Which brings me to the second spirit that I think is even more uh, deceitful, more subtle, that I believe we are facing at the moment. And that is the spirit of heaviness. Listed in Isaiah, the spirit of heaviness, it masquerades as the spirit from God. I'm just so burdened for this. But unlike the Spirit of God, it brings desperation and despair over current events and the lack of change in circumstances. This is exactly what happened to Elijah. He felt so much despair, he actually asked the Lord to take his life. He was weighed down with the cares of this life, and this this. Spirit of heaviness always points to the problem, not the solution. When you get out of bed in the morning and your feet hit the ground, do you feel like, wow, I'm a child of God? Or do you get up and sort of go, oh, I've got this ahead of me and that ahead of me and I've got this and I've got a... Are you facing a spirit of heaviness? Because I want to expose this thing today. I want to show you what it is so that it will lose its power. So Elijah went from this over here to being so discouraged and alone and heavy. To the point that he went into the desert and he laid down under a broom tree and was ready to quit. Now, you may not be at that point where you feel ready to quit, but something might be heavily pushing on you so regularly, the same issue, the same problem, pushing, 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 that some days it's hard to muster up a smile. It's hard to sort of have that joy you once had. This is the spirit of heaviness, but praise God, we have been given a remedy. Look what the Lord did for Elijah. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb the mountain of God, which was also Mount Sinai. Now, this is really interesting. Remember I said at the start about the Spirit leading you into victory. What did Elijah need? Not what he thought. He's laying there in absolute despair and the Lord gets him to eat and to drink. Eat bread. And he feeds him. Sometimes... The best thing you can do in a battle is just to feed on the Lord. Feed on the Lord. Drink. Drink him in. Drink in his presence. And he will equip you for what is ahead of you. Forty days and forty nights. And he ends up right back at Mount Sinai where the word of God was first given on the tablets. Right at the, you know, and often God will take us back to that very first verse he spoke to us. Have you ever noticed that? God will reveal a word to you and sometimes, sometimes many years later, he'll bring you right back to that same scripture and say, remember, this is what he's doing. He's taking him back to Sinai. And what happens there? He finds this big cave. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. You see what has made him heavy. He's very zealous for the Lord. And that's why I'm saying this spirit can masquerade as something from God. But look what his focus is. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed the prophets. I'm all alone. I'm isolated. I'm I'm one of the few left, the only one left that's following you. He's consumed with the wickedness and the problem of his day. To the point that that is all he can see. After this, God takes him out. Side says, come out of the cave. And there's a whirlwind and a fire and an earthquake. I mean, Mount Sinai must be a pretty incredible place, right? I mean, look what happened when Moses was there. It's like <laughs> the whole mountain shook. All this stuff's going on. Finally, the still, small voice comes. And the Lord gives him direction. Go. Go. And he says three different things. Go anoint this king, go anoint that king, and go anoint this prophet. And, and God is taking him from the problem to the solution. And moving him out of this despair. I love this picture. Do you know the Bible tells us exactly how to deal with the spirit of heaviness? It's called the garment of praise. Isaiah 61, one three. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, Monday I was telling you I wasn't feeling really great. I was doing some dishes and the Lord began to put a song in my heart. You know, he's so good like that. I often wake up with a song. He'll, He'll give me a song for the day. And uh, he put a song in my heart and I began to sing. And next thing, that song made me think of another song and I began to sing that. Has anyone ever done that? And then that song makes you think of another song and then I began to sing that. And oh, that, oh, that good old one, what is that made me think of another song. And by the time I got to the fifth song, I realised something. Every symptom in my body had gone. The heavy weight I'd been under had disappeared And that garment of praise had lifted my feet, had lifted my hands. had I mean, man, them dishes are never washed with such care. Woo! This was like, God is on the throne. Because the spirit of praise takes you from the problem to, wow. You know that old hymn, How Great Thou Art? Ah, oh, That's what we focus on. And um, l- let's look at this, as we keep going, Isaiah 61:10, "I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God." Woo! For He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. This, if you've ever seen a Hebrew wedding, they know how to rejoice. Man, the music gets going and they're dancing. And and the, the current Jewish tradition, they lift up the bride and the groom, each on their own separate chairs. And they're literally, they're sitting on a chair and they're holding them up and the bride and the groom are holding a big cord between them and everyone's laughing and it's like, oh, I hope it don't fall off. <laughs> but they're having a great time. This is the setting of this scripture. As the bridegroom and the bride, they're ready. They're in the moment. I've also put it from a different translation. The New Living Translation says, I am overwhelmed... Not with anxiety, but with joy. Ah, in the Lord my God. That little word my in there makes all the difference. Because if he's your God, well, I don't know if he'll help me. But when he's my God, I know he's going to help me. The Lord my God. For he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation. And has draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Wow, what a beautiful picture. Here's the prayer of Henna in 1 Samuel 2:1. And henna prayed and said, My heart rejoice in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. Because I rejoice in your salvation. This is the perfect weapon against the spirit of heaviness. I smile at my enemies. You know when you can smile at your enemies? When you can see what's about to happen to them and they can't. (laughs) You know, it's like, "Oh, oh, they're about to fall over, they're about to fall over, but they don't know. Have you ever walked into a wall or something? How embarrassing is it? You know, have you walked into glass? Oh, funny story. My, mu- my, my sister didn't think it was funny at all. She was so embarrassed. But my mum, they had this big um, place in Kingaroy where they b- did bulk foods. And they'd just renovated it all and, and it was open again. And so this was the first time mum had been there since it had been renovated. And they had these big glass doors. And... Uh, and a little word that said push, but they look like the automatic doors. So my mum comes up, oh wow, this all looks amazing. Oh, the door didn't open. Oh, mustn't have recognised me, so she goes back. Comes a little bit faster, (laughs) and the door doesn't open. Oh, so she goes back even further and comes even faster. And when she gets there the third time she sees a little word that says push, and she goes, <laughs> and pushed the door in. And the way it set up, the checkout was right there near the door. And there was three staff members going, <laughs> trying really hard not to laugh. And mum just went down the first aisle. She saw her. And I need something down here, I'm sure. And she was so embarrassed too. But, you know, I imagine those people sitting there would have been laughing, going, look at this woman. She thinks it's an automatic. Oh, look, here she comes again. Oh, look, she's got a real... Well, see, we can smile at our enemies because the Bible tells us their end. These spirits, they are not going to succeed. We've read the end of the book. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. You can mock me, you can set up traps, you can do all kinds of things, enemy, but don't smile for too long, because I know what your end is. Look at 1 Samuel 2, 2, there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. These are amazing to counter the spirit of heaviness. And I love this one. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord, my God. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. What confidence. I love that. Hey, Satan, you got a minute? I want to share a verse with you. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord, my God. Hey, hey, where'd you go? I wasn't done with the verse. Oh, and look at this one! Look at this one! Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. (sighs) Ah! Can you feel that faith rising? Here's another one, Psalm 92, 1-2. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. We were singing about it. All my life you have been faithful. I love it says you've been faithful. Even when we haven't, he's been faithful to us. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the work of your hands. Oh, I'm loving this. Okay, last spirit, and I'm going to have to be quick now. I want to deal with the spirit of fear. Is this not all over the world? How many decisions are people making based out of fear? The media are telling us to fear every day of our life. Fear works to keep our eyes on the size of the problem. It borrows trouble from tomorrow. Have you ever been afraid of something and it never happened? All the time, right? Fear will take you backwards and not forwards. Fear immobilizes and restrains, it limits and binds. But remember, we read at the start that the spirit of the Lord wants to be poured out on all flesh. All right, what do we do for the spirit of fear? Well, firstly, I believe we need the right kind of armour. So, I'm going to get my son Timmy up here. I'll get that in a sec. Come on up, Tim. He's been waiting so patiently. You can come right up even a bit higher, I think. All right. The Bible tells us that there was a big giant. Do you remember his name? Goliath. That's the one, Goliath. And um, he wasn't being very nice to the Israelites, was he? Do you remember anything that he said? Who will come and fight me? You know, fear has a big mouth. It likes to make itself look fearsome. But there was a little shepherd boy who knew how big his God was. And he listened to God and not his fears. And he says to the king, I will go and fight this giant. So the king's like probably firstly feeling very humbled that a kid had more courage than the king. And so he tries to, tries to make up for it and says, all right, you, you, can, you can fight, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put my armour on you. That'll make him feel better, you know. He at least tried to protect the, the little guy. So the king comes and says, all right, you can have my armour. Here you go. Try that on for size. <laughs> Just about Right. How's that feel? Uh, um, Sorry, is that is that good? Just just give it a wiggle. Does that feel about right? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. Well, well, we'll it's all right. We need a bit more. Where's my coat? And that'll do. Well, thank you. Here, my big shield. (laughs) My armor. That's great. Look how protected you are, mate. You are going to be right. This is awesome. Oh, hey, that's supposed to stay on your head, by the way. That's, uh, yeah. Now, can you, you got a clear sight of that giant. Oh, now you do. You know what David says. Do you think this is going to work? No. Well, I... Given that we can't exactly see your arms, I think maybe you're right. I want to show you this picture. Are we trying to battle with the wrong armour? Because this isn't going to work. This just isn't going to work, is it? Do you think we should get it off? Should we give Trev back his coat? What do you think? No? We'll keep it? (laughs) You take that. Thank you. You can have a seat for me. Good job. (laughs) You can give it back to Trent. (laughs) Look what the scripture says. We need to have the right armour, not be armed with the flesh. And our ideas, it's not going to work in a spiritual battle. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. He tells us to put on the armour of light. Do you know, what is the armour of light? It's the same armour spoken of in Ephesians 6. But I'll tell you what the difference is. This is what Satan sees when he looks at the armour. This is his view. You see this? Now, is that Jesus in there or is that somebody else? Because, you know... (laughs) I ain't taking on the son of God. We are to be covered with Christ, completely covered with Christ. He wants to be our armour and we stand protected in him. What was it that David had in the end? It was just some little stones. What do those stones represent? The word of God that's what he had look at ephesians 6 and i'll wrap up with with this ephesians 6:13 to 18 therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore having girded your waist with truth well whose truth jesus Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, who is our righteousness? Jesus. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, who is the gospel about? Jesus. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And it says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Jesus. And take the helmet of salvation. Who is our salvation? Jesus. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Who is the Word of God? Jesus. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is how we counter the spirit of fear. I want to show you this from the Amplified um, because it has just one difference that makes a huge difference. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields, which is the word of God. You see, when you're spirit led in your warfare, it is the spirit who wields the sword it's not even us. We stand in Christ, in the armor of light, protected. His light reflecting out of every part. That is our protection. Look what else it says praying at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance. Interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. This is how we can stand. When you are focused on Christ, in that armor, all you can see is Christ. And and that is what I believe David did. Because when he came against the giant, he didn't say, Wow, you're much bigger up close. He said, Well, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But he wasn't intimidated by that fear. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he goes on to say, the God of Israel whom you have defied. In other words, you're going down. Not covered in someone else's armour, someone else's opinions, someone else's helpful or unhelpful comments. But standing firm in the armour of God, our mouth filled, we can prophesy, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can speak the word of the Lord and say, I come to you in the name of the Lord. May you be encouraged today to stand firm. In these days, let's not let heaviness wear us down, but let that joy begin to bubble. You can smile at your enemies. You can stand firm because you know what name you stand under. It's a name above all names. Would you stand to your feet today with me? Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. I just want to have a moment to pray. We're going to give an opportunity for people to receive Jesus as their saviour. But before I do that, I actually want to pray for each believer already in this room. Those who do believe. Maybe your belief, your faith has been attacked Maybe you've been looking at everything around you and it just seems so big, so inconquerable. But today, I want you to open up your heart for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in you, on you until you are so full of the Holy Spirit that you are able to stand your ground in the evil day. And having done all, to continue to stand, not in weakness, not in fear, but in joy and in strength. So today, if you're in this place and you just want to enter into this moment, you want to enter into this, I would love to pray with you. Because I believe you can walk out of these doors with your shoulders back, your head held high, a joy in your heart, a spring in your step, and a confidence in your great God. So if you want to enter in, why don't you just raise your hands or or however you want to receive. And I'm just going to pray for you today. Father God, I thank You for Your people in this room. I thank You for each believer here. Lord, we believe You. Not our circumstances, not the troubles in this world around us, not what fear and heaviness and that Jezebel spirit are trying to tell us, but we believe the Word of God. Lord, today I pray that you would cover each one with the garment of praise for their spirit of heaviness. Lord, would you lift them? Would you lift their heads? Lift their hands that have been hanging down. Strengthen the feeble knees. Let the weak say, I am strong. Lord, empower your people. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that they may go in your name with the Word of God in their mouth and that they may be a vessel and a sword in your hand, Lord God, for for the generation that we live in. We thank you for pouring out your Spirit today on all flesh, our kids too, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look, if you're in this place and you haven't made Jesus your Lord, I've got to tell you, you're on the wrong team. The Bible says there is a way of salvation for whoever will come. And that is through Jesus Christ. It's as simple as A, B, C. A is admit you're a sinner. That can be hard to say, hey, I've done the wrong thing. But the fact is you were born in sin. Before you were even conceived, your parents were born in sin. You need a saviour. Sin separates us from God. The scripture says all. Have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. We need someone who's perfect who can take our place. And that's where the B comes in believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe that he came and he died and was buried and rose again on the third day for you. Believe in Jesus. Just like someone jumping out of a plane puts a parachute on and trusts that parachute to save them. You have to believe that Jesus is going to save you from eternity without God. He is the only one. And C is confess. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Another C is commit. Commit your life to Jesus. If you want to enter into that today, I'm going to lead you into a a prayer. You can just say this from your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. I need a saviour. I believe in you. Save me. Wash me of my sins. Cleanse me. Make me part of your family. I confess that you are Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I am saved. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen and amen. Praise God. He's so good. Let's thank Anita for a